We are live from the great state of Tennessee. I'm your host, Patrick Simpson, and this is Paranoid, the podcast where we break down conspiracy theories and unsolved mysteries and separate fact from fiction. So if you didn't see in the title, this is part two of our John F. Kennedy series. So if this is your first time listening or you just kind of randomly picked this episode, you might want to listen to the episode right before this, episode one. Basically, what we did was we went through all the background, all of the misinformation, things that didn't make sense. We didn't go through any actual conspiracy theories. We just gave the background to give you an idea of what exactly we're looking at. And in today's episode, we will actually go into the actual specific conspiracies behind the assassination of John F. Kennedy. So if you want to learn all that, I suggest you go back and listen to the ep- part one first. Or if you already know all that or don't really care about the background, and you just want to know the conspiracy part, then I guess you could just listen starting now. But you could go back and listen to it after or whatever you want to do. So with that being said, we got a lot of material to cover today. So we're going to go ahead and jump in. So we're going to start off with some lesser known conspiracies, or at least the ones that are just pretty low on my list. But they're still interesting and still worth discussing because you may find them more logical than I do. So first off, we're going to talk about vice president who became president after Lyndon B. Johnson. A Gallup poll that was taken in 2003 said that 20 percent of Americans believe that the vice president was involved. The claim is, is that he disliked the Kennedys and feared that he was going to be dropped off the Kennedys ticket in the 1964 election. thing that's interesting about this is this rumor is actually maybe at least a actual legitimate fear that he probably should have had. It was believed that Kennedy was going to drop Johnson from the ticket as his vice president in favor of North Carolina Governor Terry Sanford, who I guess agreed with more things than Johnson did. So the John F. Kennedy's actual personal secretary wrote in her book that she ended up publishing years later that Kennedy actually told Johnson face to face that he was going to be replaced. This conversation supposedly took place on November 19th, 1963, just three days before his assassination. And while it sounds like she could just be looking for clout, apparently from what we see, this was actually written in her journal on the day that it happened. So it wasn't just something she made up years later, like as it happened in her journal, day by day that she had for the president, she actually wrote it, I guess maybe it wasn't for the president, it was for her to keep track of what he was doing. She wrote it in that journal. So Madeline Brown, who is the alleged mistress of Johnson, also claims that he admitted this to her, though this is hard to give much legitimacy because someone likely just getting payback for something. But nevertheless, it is out in the open, so it's something you have to consider. You know, that every mistress out there isn't lying about everything. Sometimes they're telling the truth about a lot. So it's something to at least keep in mind. The most interesting witness is Dr. Charles Crenshaw, who was a surgical resident that attended the hospital. He attended Oswald at the hospital after he was shot by Jack Ruby. While working on Oswald, he says that he received a phone call from now President Johnson. He asked for an update on Oswald and told him that he needed a deathbed confession from him before he died. But by this point, Oswald was in no condition to talk or do anything. 
obviously critics have come out and said that this never happened. And it seems likely to me that Johnson would not just blatantly make that call himself. I think he would probably get an agent or someone lower to do his dirty work for him. Like that just seems super weird that the now president would call him like we need to get a confession from him. But it's weird times in the 60s. So maybe, maybe it is. But nevertheless, it is something that we have to consider if we are to believe he really was in fear of being taken off the ticket for the next election. When you're vice president, you're second, I guess technically the second most powerful person in the country, some say in the world, that fear of being taken off can make people do crazy things. So you never know. It is something worth keeping in mind. Another low level theory that people believe is that the Soviets did it, of course, because obviously the Cold War was going on at that time. So it makes sense that public enemy number one would be to blame. But as we will come out, come to find out later in this episode, JFK was actually in the process of trying to make peace with the Soviets. So at this exact moment that the assassination happened, I don't think that they were trying to attack him. But of course, you can't count anything out when it comes to this. But I think just my hypothesis, my hypothesis, which is crazy coming from conspiracy theorists, I should be all over this theory. But for this one, I think my I think the Soviets hands are clean on this. Now we go to Cuba. The Warren Commission investigated the contact between Oswald and Cuba and found that there was no conspiracy there. But as we have seen, especially in the last episode, the Warren Commission is kind of slacking in the credibility department right now. So I won't go into too much detail on this because this alone is actually going to be an entire episode. It's the, the, the whole thing between Kennedy and Cuba is just, I could talk about that literally for an entire day. So. Hopefully, you know, at least a little bit of background. If not, I'll cover it in the future. It's not like super important, but there was a lot going on between America and Cuba at this time. And John F. Kennedy was not all in on the anti-Cuba thing. So it was pretty, but the thing that is interesting is the CIA had actually planned numerous assassination attempts on Fidel Castro. And this was actually pretty public knowledge at the time. President Johnson, now President Johnson, even said it on TV multiple times. So knowing this information, you have to think, so why would they not be looking for retaliation, regardless of if JFK didn't want to do anything himself? What it is actually believed by those that are fans of this theory is that Oswald actually was the shooter but was a communist working in favor of Castro. At least that's the most popular one. Not impossible, but there's still a lot of holes in this theory, seeing that Oswald was supposedly in Russia most of this time, not Cuba. In addition, this would require you to still believe that Oswald actually was the shooter. Maybe you do, but since a lot of you, a lot of us don't, then this theory becomes hard to jump on board with. There is a separate theory that some Cuban exiles also did it. That one is a little more substantial and maybe likely. But like I said, at this time, JFK wasn't really all in. As I said, I don't want to give too much away for future episodes, but there were some things that the CIA wanted to do for Cuba and JFK wasn't on top of it. So. He wasn't like as anti-Cuba as maybe America, the American public was. But with that being said, 
Cuba could still just be trying to send the mission or send the message, I guess. So it's not out the question. This one I'm kind of in the middle of. I'm not all the way out, but I'm not all the way in. So let's jump into the ones that I really, 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 really like and that will make you think. And this usually starts with the world of organized crime. And of course, that's where Jack Ruby comes in. He was close friends with Joseph Campisi and the number two mob boss in Dallas. So it's likely that his, that his shooting of Oswald was not really because he was, quote, just so angry that the president died. It's just nobody bought that and nobody still buys that. Government documents have revealed that members of the mafia have actually worked for the CIA on assassination attempts for Fidel, Fidel Castro. Mob boss Carlos Marcelo allegedly threatened to assassinate Kennedy to scare his younger brother, General Attorney Robert Kennedy, who was leading the charge for cracking down on the mob slash organized crime. Some believe that him and the legendary Jimmy Hoffa together put a hit out on Kennedy. I'm not exactly sure what Jimmy Hoffa himself has to do with this, but I'm assuming it basically goes hand in hand with trying to scare Robert Kennedy. That's all that I can really assume. Why not just kill Robert Kennedy himself instead? I honestly don't know. But of course, it is something to think about. And there was one mafia member that was interviewed in jail years later. He said that he was, he claims, that he was offered the hit, but he turned it down. I guess he just didn't. I mean, that is a pretty big ask. He didn't want to do it. But he says that he knows the three men that did it. He only gives the name of one because that person was dead, but he could not give up the names of the other two because they're still alive and he could not break the code of being a snitch, basically. So he could just be trying to reduce his sentence, trying to find some good graces with the with the attorneys there, or he could actually be telling the truth. So there's a couple of ways that this could go. Some believe that Castro was involved and just collabed with the mob to do the dirty work. And then others believe that this was just strictly all the mobs doing alone. And when it comes to this theory, I would have to go with the latter. Like I said, I'm not really all in on the Castro thing on this specific thing. But when you got somebody's brother is trying to take down the mob, I mean, you got to think, if you know any, if you watched any of the kind of organized crime mob movies, I mean, they do not hesitate to kill. So if somebody is out there literally trying to take them down and crack down, they're probably going to do whatever it takes. Like I said, you would think they would just kill the attorney, Robert Kennedy himself, but I guess they just wanted to scare him and send the message, so they went out of the president. Possible. Like I said, I'm interested in this one. I'm I'm in the, like, the 60% range, believable. This is the most one of the more popular theories as far as organized crime. Some people also believe that Kennedy was a part, like was deep down secret, a part of the mob and had owed some debt. Some, like I said, I don't turn down any conspiracies. You can believe whatever you want. This is the open platform to tell me your conspiracies. I'm not on board with that one, but presidents, people, everybody has skeletons in their closet. So and it comes to this crazy situation, there's nothing that you can really take off immediately. So this one is not a full conspiracy, but it's something worth adding in. And that some believe that the Secret Service was complicit in the assassination. It was believed that Kennedy, and the reason why they say this is because 
there's like no secret service around. Like they're they got their distance. They're pretty far off. People are like, that's pretty suspicious that there's really nobody around that close for the president. But it's believed that Kennedy was had told them to back off because he wanted space. He didn't want to seem, I guess, overprotective. But there are service members that have disputed this and that he never told the Secret Service this. I personally highly doubt that the Secret Service as a whole was in on this, but I would say that there was definitely at least one, maybe two people that were in on it and giving away information as far as travel plans, hit times, all that stuff to the people that were doing the hit. Like you had to have had somebody, at least one person on the inside saying, all right, we're running behind schedule. We're going to be coming down at 610, 615. So there probably was at least one Secret Service member that was in on it, maybe more. But this is just keep this in mind. It'll come into play later. Now, here we go. The big one. Now we're on to the CIA. The Warren Commission has stated that Oswald never worked for the CIA. But if you remember last week, the head accountant of the CIA, who is in charge of payroll, said that he did. In 1995, former CIA assistant John Newman published proof that both the CIA and FBI tampered with their files on Oswald before and after the assassination. In 1977, the CIA released thousands of files on Kennedy. In these files is a memo that states that now President Lyndon B. Johnson himself believed that the CIA had something to do with the assassination. And this was later confirmed by the person that heard it under oath. And the thing that really takes this over the top is that we actually have a confession. A lot of people don't realize this, but some there is someone that has actually confessed to the assassination. Howard Hunt, former CIA agent, also involved in the Watergate scandal, confessed that he and three other rogue CIA agents killed the president. The reason why is because they did not agree with Kennedy's approach on to Cuba and believe that he was too nice to be president during these times where America was basically in a cold war with almost everyone. He said that the plan originally was supposed to take place in Miami, but was switched to Dallas. But of course, there's always a chance that he just wanted to go out. So he said this on his deathbed. Um, his family was around as he was dying in the hospital. This is when he confessed. So as he's going out, he may have just wanted to say, go out with a bang and be remembered in the history books for something big. Sounds crazy, but this actually happens a lot. Plenty of people, crimes happen all the time and people that didn't commit it, admit to it. It's a mental illness of some kind, I guess, but people really want to like be memorized, be, you know, in history books, be remembered forever. Even if it's the most worst thing in the world to them, people saying their names for the next 100 years is important to them. So maybe this guy also wanted to do it. And of course, he could be telling the truth. So now you got a boatload of information and it probably feels like a lot to take in. There's so many different ways you could go with this and they all make some sort of sense if you believe it hard enough or twist things around them. There's way more. I mean, there's hundreds of theories. I'm just giving you the ones that I think are the most somewhat most reasonable, but there's so many more out there that are at least somewhat believable. So I know you're here, like I said, the whole point of this podcast probably is to find out what I personally think. And 
I actually think it's the simplest answer, other than the Oswald theory. Obviously, the simplest answer is that it was Oswald. But as far as conspiracies, I am actually under, under the belief that the CIA agent, his confession was actually real. But I believe that the group of rogue agents was actually larger than just four people and likely involved someone higher up in the CIA. So while it wasn't a gigantic conspiracy by the CIA as a whole, like an organized CIA plot, there was enough rogue agents to make it a legitimate movement. Now, let me explain, and this will make total sense to you when I put the pieces together. I'm going to put it to you piece by piece how this happened. So John F. Kennedy was getting soft on both the Soviet Union, Cuba, and was trying to negotiate peace instead of fighting fire with fighter. And as I talked about in many of my episodes, America was in full fear of communism at this time. The CIA did some pretty insane things during this time, such as Project MK Ultra, to try and fight and compete with communism. So for a president to come out and not be in full favor of just blowing them all to pieces is scary for everyone during that time, but especially the CIA. So I believe these rogue agents hired hitmen to do the job. Was it the mob? I'm not sure exactly, but that is probably the most likely source. So all they had to do was present them with the benefits of killing Kennedy, a.k.a. scaring his brother into thinking the death was about his war on organized crime. So it's kind of one of those things. Basically, everyone gets what they want. Enemy, the enemy, friend type situation. Now, keep in mind that Howard Hunt stated that the mission was supposed to take place in Miami, but it ended up happening in Dallas. Now, if you remember last week, I told you the story about the lady that was arrested on the side of the road. She was arrested, I think, in Louisiana, and she was labeled insane. You remember what she told the police on the way to the police station? She said she was traveling from Florida to Dallas with three men to kill President Kennedy. So, and keep in mind, this is this lady ended up dead on the side of the highway. We mentioned that last week. So, the, what are the odds that this random lady in Louisiana that's pulled over for being crazy and being on drugs somehow has a connecting story with the guy that admits to killing Kennedy or plotting to kill Kennedy. Like I said, there's always a chance of coincidence, but you never know. Just keep it in mind. So if you put all the pieces together, it's like a thousand pieces. It makes sense that there was a gigantic plan to assassinate Kennedy in Florida, but due to a failure of plans where their timing wasn't right, the situation wasn't right, he didn't show up on the time he was supposed to, who knows, but something went wrong. So they had to change the mission to Dallas, Texas. Now for the actual cover-up. I believe that Oswald was a former CIA agent that turned and went to the world of communism. And this was likely known amongst some in the CIA as far as the, like, the high, high-ups. And it made him the perfect scapegoat. Now keep in mind, this is also something a lot of people don't know. Oswald was never arrested or ever charged for the assassination of Kennedy. Remember that. He was arrested for shooting the cop that thought he looked like the suspect. And we don't even know if he's the one that actually killed the cop. The gun 
that was claimed at the depository was not actually the gun that the sheriff said they found when they did their investigation. Like I said, this is stuff from last week. They say they found Oswald's gun of a certain caliber, but the sheriffs that actually found the gun at the depository said that that was not the gun, and they know for a fact that was not the gun, and they stood firm in that. And even the Warren Commission has admitted that someone was pretending to be him on phone calls and meetings leading up to the assassination. So basically, the rogue CIA agents set the movements in motion to frame him a couple of weeks out. They pretended to be him during phone calls and visits. They planted a gun that looked similar to his, but apparently they were too lazy to find a gun with the right size ammunition or... I'm not exactly sure what they thought with that one, but they planted the wrong gun. And they planted this gun at his job, knowing that he worked that day and would have been seen by witnesses that saw him in the building that day. So he couldn't even claim, oh, I was at home. He works at that building. So it makes sense for people to be like, yeah, Oswald was in that building that day. And people are like, oh, well, that makes sense. Everyone, the 10 people saw him in the building, so he definitely did it, even though that is literally where he works, so he was going to be there anyway. Now, he was never on the seventh floor. He was on the first floor eating in the lunchroom. At least that's what he claimed, and I tend to believe him. The dude was just there enjoying his little ham sandwich that his wife made him. He hears gunshots, and all suddenly his life is never the same again. Another thing to keep in mind, would he really choose to assassinate the president at his own job, knowing that hundreds of people saw him in that building that day? Like, that doesn't make any sense. Now, if he had planned on committing suicide right then and there, then it probably wouldn't have mattered. But if he actually planned on getting away with this, you got tons of buildings in downtown Dallas, and you're going to choose to do it in the building that you work at that tons of people can say they know you were in. I don't know really know the intelligence, the full intelligence of Oswald, but I would assume from what I know that he is smart enough to do something a little bit better than this. It doesn't make any sense. So basically, they coordinated with their mob connects to take out Oswald before he was ever able to prove his innocence. And the man for the job was Jack Ruby. I do not believe that the vice president was in on this, but I think he heard some whispers and didn't really oppose it or take it seriously. But I feel like he does know he didn't call the hit or have anything to do with the hit. But I think he did know. And he just kind of kept it secret, which leads into the gigantic cover up, a.k.a. the Warren Commission. I think that there were higher ups in the CIA that didn't have anything to do with the assassination, but they did know that some of their people, the rogue agents, were responsible for it. Now, I want you to think about this. How does it look if the head of the CIA came out and said, hey, a couple of our guys in the CIA killed him, but I did not know or have anything to do with it? No one, and I mean no one, would have believed him. Head of CIA comes out and says, CIA agents killed the president, but I didn't know. But I'm being transparent and telling you that some of our people killed him. We don't even believe anything they say now. So we're definitely not going to believe them 
if he just comes out and admits that his people did it. Like that plan would have never, ever worked. And it also just would have been a really bad look on the country if the American people realized that they can't even trust their own CIA. Because people loved Kennedy. I mean, love, like I said, he had a lot of haters too, but people, one of the most popular, loved presidents of all time. If our own CIA killed him, we would never trust, of course, I'd never trust anyway, but people back then would have never trusted our government ever again. So just admitting that your CIA agents did that, even though you are actually innocent yourself, is just not a good plan. So their only choice was to help in the cover-up of their rogue agent's mistake. So basically, the CIA and President Johnson put together this Warren Commission to make sure that this was pinned on Oswald. That was basically their only solution. So to go into what actually happened, I do think that there were three shooters. Based on said some stuff we talked about last week, I think one was in the depository on the seventh floor, not Oswald. There was one across the street. I can't remember the name of the building, but there was a building right across the street. And one of their shots ended up um, hitting a bystander. And based on the way that the bullet kind of hit, it couldn't have came from the depository. It could have came from that building. So I think the second person was in that building. And I think there was one person on or in the grassy knoll on the evil, even level with the president in his car somewhere in the mixed in the trees a little bit back. So if you know a picture of grass, you know, you know what I'm talking about, but kind of to the right of the cars back by the trees. And there's pictures of some dark figure back there and you're never able to put together any kind of real frame of what it looks like. But I would say the third person was there in that area. So from what I can gather, it seems there are about two, maybe three shots each person. I would say a total of six, maybe eight, but I would say six from what the video sounds and everything I can think. seems like there was, I would say there were about six shots, but only three made contact. Two made contact with Kennedy and one made contact with the governor. And keep in mind, we are supposed to believe the government told us the single bullet theory that one hit Kennedy in the shoulder and then one hit him in the neck and went through his neck and then hit the governor in the thigh, which defies the laws of physics. So I think Kennedy got hit with two separate bullets. And then the third one ended up hitting the governor in the leg. The rest of them think one may have hit the car. A couple just completely missed. I mean, they probably weren't accurate, very accurate. I mean, the guns aren't as accurate back then as they are now. So... And to go back to the Secret Service, CIA, as long as you have someone somewhat higher up, they probably got some friends in the Secret Service. So I would have to say they likely had a Secret Service agent on the inside that day just to make sure all the travel plans were on time, which goes back to the Miami theory. The reason why they had to cancel because their Secret Service agent told them, OK, we're not going to be here at a certain time. This plan is not going to work anymore. So basically, whoever the inside Secret Service agent basically is the one telling them what time is a good time to hit. So how many? I don't know, but there was definitely at least one. And the rest is history. Now, if you believe any of the other theories I discussed, or even ones I haven't didn't discuss, 
that's perfectly fine. I'm not saying my theory, my hypothesis is the right one, but that's what I believe. You're here to hear my opinion. So that's what I believe. But one thing that I firmly believe, and I will never, ever, ever change my mind, is that Lee Harvey Oswald was never a part of this, ever. Basically, he was just a pawn in the greatest conspiracy our nation has ever seen. That is all I got for the story of John F. Kennedy, part two. Ray, hope you enjoyed this episode. This is obviously the most popular conspiracy theory of all time. My most requested. I was waiting until I could really dig in deep and do this one. So hopefully it was what you were expecting. If not, maybe we'll cover some more in the future. There's never too much JFK. And hopefully I plan on doing this podcast for a couple of years. So maybe we'll come back around and address it. Maybe some other theories that you end up telling me. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at underscore Patrick Simpson. I'm always looking for suggestions. I would love to know what you thought about these two episodes. If you didn't like it, don't be nice. Tell me the truth. I'm trying to do this for you. Get better. Loved it. Hopefully you did. You can let me know. If you agree with my theory, let me know. If you have any other theories that I didn't cover, I would love, love, love to hear it. I will mark it down and maybe save it for a future episode. If you haven't subscribed, I'd appreciate it if you subscribe so you know exactly when the episodes drop. If you haven't left a review, I would appreciate it. You can leave any kind of honest review. Helps me get seen, helps grow the community. And we'll be back next Monday with a very new episode. My name is Patrick Simpson, and this is Paranoid.